just a quick announcement, folks. If you've been listening to Barbarian in the Valley, we are so grateful, and we hope that you are getting both our incoherency and our coherency. But moving forward, we are now breaking the two hours up every week into two separate podcasts. The first hour will remain Barbarian in the Valley. It will remain Odd Radio Theater. And the second hour will now be called The Free Associates. And that's our discussion-based talk show, essentially. So we hope you'll subscribe to both, but we felt that they were different enough that they should be in different feeds. So we're going to start that transition in the next couple weeks. So in about two or three weeks, the Free Associate episodes will no longer be in the Barbarian in the Valley feed, but there will be a separate podcast available everywhere called the Free Associates. We hope you continue to enjoy it, and thank you so much for your ears. All right, that's the great Roy Buchanan, Sweet Dreams. You may know that song from The Departed, the Martin Scorsese film, which is, you know, except for a small couple things at the end, like the rat walking on the banister, it's a really excellent film. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> so we were just kind of, Waylon was marveling at the kind of strangeness of my story, and I just want to follow up that, you know, I told Robin, I told my wife, and she's like, okay, we got to follow up on this. And, I, you know, I've been kind of waiting to tell her, uh, and so at dinner, we followed up. Now, at dinner, he felt a little bit more like, it almost felt more like a prank. Like, he, again, he kind of got in this, like, reflective mode, but it felt like he was really testing us out. And Robin was like, well, what does he do? And he says, he teaches me how to talk. That's what he said. He teaches me how to talk. But then Robin said, do you like him? And he said, no. But he wasn't like... No. Yeah, but he wasn't violent about it. He was like, no... And then Robin was like, and I was actually kind of like, I'm, I wasn't so, uh, personally, I was like, wait a second, I'm not sure we should be doing this. She said, I'm going to get him out of you tonight. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. I love Rob, but yeah. that's like an exorcism. Well, I just think you got to, you can't, well, we'll see if he ever brings it up again. But what you can't do is do that, and then he's still there. Exactly. Right, that would be my concern with that, is that, like, wait a second, my mom got you out, now you're still here. Again, I never felt like he was anxious. There wasn't a level of anxiety about it. But it does go to our conversation about free will, because in a way, what he described is exactly what this article's about, that there's something that precedes our speech that is determining things. It's actually kind of operating us, which is this chemical thing. And it could be a manifestation of that determinism. It could be a manifestation of that guy is actually him, you know, like it's there. He's helping him with his speech. He's learning the English language as we go. He's like yeah. learning all of this stuff. So to what point do you just put that agency into some other being? You know what I'm saying? Like hmm. you're a child that's, that's creative in the mind and there's that entity that you've created. It's like an imaginary friend. Like you create an imaginary friend, but you're projecting a lot of the values and beliefs that you have, you know, subliminally or not into this figure. Okay. And I do think like young kids, and you were saying that you had this vision when you were young of an eye with five legs. Is that right? Oh yeah. I have very, very vivid memory of it. And so I just think kids should be studied more for their, their, almost their visions. Because there's something there that's like either deeply spiritual, 
extraterrestrial, neurologically interesting or something because kids have these constructs in their heads, it, whether they're constructs or not. But, you know, Rocky's Flatman is a really good example. And like, hey, I what's remember, going on? With what, what, where, where are we actually living here? Like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. I remember casually as, as Rocky did, as casually as that, having a conversation about a quote-unquote guardian angel that I saw. Oh, yeah. And I still have that memory in my head. And I'm not religious. I, I have this memory of this guardian oh, angel. You, the guardian angel came then. down to me. Yeah. And I casually had this conversation with my uh, one of my best friends at the time, his mother. And she was blown away. She was like, what did the angel say to you? And I was like, yeah, just, you know, you're, everything is good. Keep on, keep on going type thing. But I have this memory, but it was a memory that I have that's a, clearly a manifestation of just what like the world is like doing and mm-hmm. but it's a clear vision. The minute that it's like it's like you have all these thoughts in your head, but the minute that you actually have a picture of these thoughts, the game changes. And I I, I think that I made this up. I'm just a kid, right? And do I th- I don't believe in guardian angels or anything like that. But that no. picture is really vivid. Yep. And it was vivid for her too. Because she was manifesting what I was telling her. Yeah. So, flat-faced man, what well, you're saying... Well, it's just like it's vivid for you to exactly. hear about that. I told my students about it. They were all, like, shivering. <laughs> there was something <laughs> yeah. really kind of, like, frightening about because it. Because then, you, then, you, then you've created yourself flat-faced man. Yes. You know? It becomes part of the, the consciousness. Yeah. All right. So, let's get back to this kind of determinism for a second. Yeah. The article is arguing for... There's, by the way... When you go online and you start looking at the free will debate, it's like really balkanized. There's all kinds of viewpoints on this, just dozens and dozens of schools of thought on this, as there should be. Because in one way, philosophically, this is one of the most interesting discussions you can have, right? It's whether people have free will. Now, the article is arguing for an internal determinism. Right, not external. It's not, it doesn't really, it actually would look at like societal pressures and stuff like that and just be like, wait, that's not totally irrelevant. Because by the time it gets out into society, it doesn't matter. Like everything is determined. And I think Einstein would argue that it's like a clock, right? Einstein says God doesn't play dice with the universe. So that everything is determined. What you're going to have for lunch in 12 years is determined. And on a side note, I got to say, you know, the theory of relativity equals mc square. I have this other theory, which is the theory of probability, which is Einstein's probably right because he's Einstein. But really, E equals mc squared? Like, that's the whole universe? So I'm kind of joking right now. You're giving me a blank stare. That's fine. We can just move on. It was kind of a joke. But I don't doesn't do that, good with numbers. Isn't that strange? E equals mc squared? I could have guessed that and been Einstein. Yeah, but that's the beauty of the... Are you talking about the simplicity of it? Are you talking about just Yeah, the, just like... Yeah, I mean... Or and also just kind of like, is anyone check that? Or is it just because it's Einstein that people accept that? Well, now we're getting into this, like... like I just don't... Truth I have trouble believing the whole universe boils down to three letters and a number. You know? <laughs> I, you know, it could be equals MC cubed. Like, that's my new theory. So, check it out. Now, Heisenberg comes along later and says this um, level of uncertainty, actually. Like, it's not... there. Yes, it's in the kind of field of 
there is a lot determined. But also just chemically, there's so much uncertainty and who we meet and I meet you and then our chemicals are bouncing off of one another and stimuli and stuff like that. But Einstein would reject that. Now, I think the big thing here is that we've created determined processes. And I think that that's, that's an important thing to think about. Like, a let's just talk about going to work, right? We take it for granted that, you know, we get to work at 7.30, we're done teaching at 2.05. That becomes a determined process, but we've created that out of free will, in my mind. Like, we've created an institution in which we've, we, we do that. We just were not there for the origin of the creation of that. And you can do that right there with a lot of things. Go back way back to early man, right? Mm -hmm. It's like we cook food because fire killed bacteria and all these things. But now you, you have this really complex elevated level of what we do with, you know, searing meat and this, that, and the other thing. But... The, the, the free will started back then. It's just we liked what, the free, what was happening with that free will, and we've continued it. And now it feels like determinism. Yeah, but, you know, Einstein would just say, or I think that the people who behind the study in this article would say, um, Waylon, it's all, like, when they started cooking stuff that was just like neurons kind of firing in their brain. I hate that. I just yeah, hate the idea. I get it. I just, I, I cannot stand that idea. Though. Well, that's... I know that because Why? your license plate says "Be free, Orange Van yeah, Loading yeah. Zone." Be free, Loading Zone. Be free, Will. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, you are the epitome of free oh, yeah. will. Which, by the way, got me thinking a little bit. We have discussed how, even though we did a decline of religion episode, and you kind mm -hmm. of like distance yourself from the Catholic Church, and then about a week later, I realized that you actually are theologically Catholic. Like the way you view the world is fundamentally Catholic. So I've extracted principles out of Catholicism. No, that's I would say difference. that you were conditioned by Catholicism to think a certain way. Actually, that's... that's I, I actually that's do. Interesting. And I'm telling I don't, you, I, don't I have a bunch of friends agree, who you remind me of from New York who... Are, and this is not a knock on Catholicism. Well, no, I enjoy I it. Think it's a knock I enjoy on that way of viewing in the fact, world. In fact, I think that actually I, I subscribe to a lot of it because I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I But the... like And just take Catholicism right there. I don't subscribe to a lot of things that are the central tenets of Catholicism. These, this repentance, this, feel, this guilt of nature, all these things. So I've taken the principles that I've learned and grown, grown up with, yeah. but I've also said, and you, that was the big thing, I'm, think, not a, I'm not a Catholic you because think you've I was done like, that. Eh. You think you've done that, but you're actually, well, your neurons well, are firing I don't have free in a will, way. So. <laughs> kind of, but it was interesting because I know that, I knew that you would hate it. And then I started thinking about, and this is kind of what I'd like to tackle in the next like 10 or 15 a little bit. We were talking about religion and society and how society structures itself sometimes deterministically. You know, sometimes we view um, life, and also, by the way, it depends on where you live. Like, urban areas tend to view things deterministically, I would argue. That is to say, crime is a product of society. You know, whereas in the countryside, I think there's a rejection of that. It's like, actually, individual will matters more. And, yeah. you know, you can tie that to liberal and conservative movements as well. Like, liberal movements tend to believe, well, there's societal conditioning and stuff like that. People are responsible, but only to a certain point. Whereas conservative thinking tends to really embrace 
personal responsibility. I would argue that um, if you look at the maps of conservatism and liberalism, at least in modern times, conservatism is in rural areas. And I think there might be something said that cities are like systems, right? They are more like systems than the countryside. And so an argument can be made that you are more conditioned by this machine that is a city than you would be out in the countryside. Well, take, that, take that and then, again, there's determinism free will. The people in the rural communities are, for the most part, living a life of this secluded nature where they, they're going to like church and everything like that, but they have plots of land. They live on their plots of land. In an urban environment, there's constant fluctuation. So there's more change happening. But yeah. we've created that. We've created that. Right. And it's not determinism because we've created through unless, the free will of people. Unless you think that every step of the way that it's been a chemical reaction that's led to the emergence a, of cities, the cooking of a meat, all those things. A reaction that we created at a free will. Each one of those individuals in that urban city, in that, in that rural environment, are the molecules of that. Yeah. Well, let me... Let me I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Like, and it is a, like a very thin thing to parse. I mean, even in the article, it's 0.15 milliseconds. So you're kind of like... I, yeah. My question was, that's such a short amount of time. How would you know... Because the, the, the question that what they were studying is when the brain makes a decision and when you as a person say, I made that decision. It's kind of hard. That's such a quick 0.15 milliseconds. Like, I don't know. It seems like kind of hard to measure. But yeah. let's go into, because this will thing, Catholicism, I've always been fascinated by Calvinism. So here's a system that totally robs people of their free will. Okay. Like, it, by, its, by its design, it says... The, and the only thing that matters in life at that moment in history really is salvation. And it says that salvation is determined. And in fact, it's double determined. Because the Catholics had a salvation. They said that you were predestined to be saved, but not necessarily predestined to go to hell. That you could work your way out of going to hell. But the Calvinists say no. In fact, if you're going to heaven or hell, it's determined before you even come, in, or as you're coming to the earth, God decides whether you're going to be saved or damned. And the argument there that both Luther, now Luther wasn't as much a predestination guy, but is when Calvin say, God is so great and so vast that to think that you can game God, to think that you can buy indulgences and do other things is a joke. It's just too powerful. And it's almost like, almost becomes a Buddhist thing at that point where it's like the vastness of space, Right. But my question with like Calvinism always was like, did Calvin really believe that or was it just a way to organize society? Well, it's also you have to look at the historical and political context at the time. Yep. It's like indulgences. Like you're going to try to combat this idea of con indulgences. So you're going to create some manifestation. Well, of that's what I've wondered. Ruin everything. It's a wrecking ball to the, to the institution via the means of religion in God. So now you've just taken that, at, but because it was a huge thing, like, oh, I can just pay money to, uh, to you know, it, for eternal salvation. Like, he under, I think that he understood the idea that if you have, <laughs> if like humans have rigged this system, and so you you remove the free will mm -hmm. of that entire situation and put it more into the deterministic values. Yep. 
but he's still using his free will to create another perception of what's sure. going on. And, and I think we can just like, yeah, no, understood and agreed. But I'm not totally sure that's where Calvin was coming from. I mean, that's no. one answer, which is, is that like, we're going to really remove... I mean, indulgences weren't actually that big. That was kind of like a toehold that those guys had on the church. There was other things, but in a similar nature, you know, hierarchical structure and the priest and confessions and stuff like that that they wanted to get rid of. Um, is this idea of double predetermination, predestination rather, a way to just get rid of that? Or is it also a belief? And here's something interesting. What kind of society does that lead to? Because in a Calvinist society, you would think, if I told you, it, you can do whatever you want, and it won't change your salvation. And let's remember that people back then really believed in salvation, as some do still, and they, they may be right. I don't know. But this is something people actually believed in in Western Europe yeah. and was really important to them. And I went and I told you, you can do whatever you want. It have no impact on whether you're going to heaven or hell. The first thought, and I get this from my students sometimes, is why, okay, so why aren't people just running around like robbing and killing but that's not the impact of that statement on people. In fact, can you guess what happens? How does this affect people? I mean, I don't want to say that they fall in line. Is that what happens? I think it is what happens because what happens is it's virtue signaling in medieval Western Europe where you basically are like, I have to show that I'm one of the elect saved. And it becomes okay. like a self-regulating, almost shame society. Well, I mentioned the Milgram experiment before, yep. and the Milgram experiment. Just if if you if you're not familiar with it, uh, the Milgram experiment is there's a person with a switchboard in front of them, and there's another person in in the room opposite of them. They can't see that person. If the person in that room gets an answer wrong on a test, you sh- electric shock them, and you keep on increasing the electric shock yep. because you're told to do so. Now that's what people know about the Milgram experiment. The Milgram experiment is that people keep on Most all the, people. Not all people, though. I, you know, not all people. Not all people. And yeah. this is the thing that people... It's, it, it's, ex, it's actually exactly... The, the findings were exactly opposite of what we know them to be and what the general thing is. It's People will up the limit of the shock until they're told that they have no choice to yep. do so. And that is huge. Because hmm. the minute that you're told of this determinism of that you have no choice to do this, hmm. you actually do try to do the opposite. And it comes down to this idea of like what we're talking about, that determinism, like if it, it's kind of damned, if you do damned, if you don't like, okay, so if I don't have a choice, if I, if I don't have a choice, then this is already predetermined. But if I do have a choice, then I'm going to make the opposite choice. Hmm. And so people, the minute that they were told you have no other choice, there was three or four different prompts. It's like, you have to continue the experiment. The experiment is going to fail if you don't do well, it. Also, it's important. Like the, it's important. The, the, it's important. Exactly. Um, and the minute that it hit the tier four of you have no choice, people were like, I'm out of here. Huh. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, this article would just say... Yeah, and that's yeah. what I don't like about the article. Yeah, too. I get it, and and it's not so much the article. You just don't like the study. I, I do wonder yeah, though. True. This feels like it's accepted now by a lot of people, though. I mean, I guess the debate's still raging. I just to quickly return to Calvinism. I mean, what happened in that society was a real big self-regulation, and you would signal your piety by 
because you didn't want to be damned. So everyone becomes in a contest to see how, show everyone else how saved they are. And let's not forget that it becomes this terrible, like, there's no will. And by the way, there's no music or colorful clothing. I mean, Calvin's kind of a bummer. Yeah. You know, Luther's got some really cool stuff going on. I mean, I'm fascinated by Calvin, and I'm fascinated by why that would happen and what all that is about. But also politically, I think there are times in which we feel like, you know, Obama has is a free will president, for example. Like, yes, we can. There's like this sense of like possibility and stuff like that. And then there are other times where that kind of closes off and the American voting public or the American public feels that uh, things are determined. By the way, and just as a side note, global warming is a good example of this. Like, there is a sense of fatalism that surrounds that issue. Yeah, my, for sure. And just being so large and overwhelming that people don't really can't find a way to... I know for my own self, I actually don't like the way it's covered because it's basically so overwhelming that it shuts me down. I don't feel energized by the coverage. Now, they don't have to energize me, you know, but if you're trying to energize people and you're overwhelming them, many people feel overwhelmed by this. They just shut down because it's, it doesn't feel fixable and stuff like that. But. I also think that has a lot to do with the narrative that is spun by the individuals that don't want you to think about climate change. Like... To wrap your head around it would be to actually act. Like, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Like, I, I recycle, but I don't do a lot. Like, no. I have a Cumberland Farms cup in front of me that's going to get thrown in the trash. Like, but at the same time, it's like, I believe climate change is real. I, I think that we need to, in our generation, do something about it. But the idea of this fatalism of, like, oh, there's nothing that we can do really handicaps our ability to do something. Okay, but that could be coming from people who don't believe in climate change, but it also can be coming from people who believe in climate change because if yeah, they present the problem as so vast, like, yeah. then it there's there's sense. Anyway, it's a kind of a side note, but yeah. it is looming. I feel like we're living in a time of determinism now, at least here. For sure. Now, if you go into another part of the country, you know, one that might be more aligned with the, the executive branch right now, they might feel really positive and feel like the possibilities are opening up for them for the first time in a long time. I would actually say that they're doubling down on determinism. Like, oh. this is preordained by God. Like, the, the the conservative movement is really dependent on some evangelical type stuff. Uh-huh. And really, you know, pure God type stuff. Well, there is an God element of that. Country. So it's like, well, there's also, I would say that, no, you know, it's gets complicated. This was, this was destined. That's what they would say. Right. Well, there's, there is an aspect of some evangelical churches that believes that this is all heading for the apocalypse anyway. And that's why Even on they an apocalypse, support. It was that we needed a godly and that's, I mean, I think, no, it's but I'm just telling you, I'm just it's like, we have a, Godly, we need a man of God in the White House, and that they find that in Trump, which is hilarious. Yeah. But well, here's the thing: uh, I just want to say, on a side note, like the there's big parts of the evangelical movement who are really deterministic, and you know the support for Israel from the evangelical movement, for example, isn't a support of Jewish people. It's a support that mm. the belief that that's where the the rapture will take place and it took me a little while to wrap my head around that because it's it seems contradictory but um the other thing i was thinking about was marxism right you know if you look at marxism 
So I think that we might be in the same school of this, actually. Let me articulate a school of thinking. Here's my school of thought on it. Most things in life have a heavy determinism. You know, we may not be at the same percentage, but I would argue that I'm I'm willing to set that from 60 to 70%, maybe even 80% at times, that there's just so much that's determined. And I often look at my life, and I love my life, and I certainly love my family, but sometimes I'm like, why am I in a white house with a picket fence here? And I, it's not like, like anti-suburban thing, but like, why am I not off the grid? Like, why am I not doing something a little bit more remarkable with my life? And it, that is interesting, because then I, the older I get, the more I feel like I'm part of demographics. When I was young, I thought I was the most original person whoever walked the earth. And then every time I get 10 years later, I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm just part of a demographic. I'm doing everything. So now I don't believe it's 100%, but I think like Lenin, you know, the Russian revolutionary would be a good example. Um, Lenin believed that most things were determined and that it was really important not to wage revolution until the moment you could just kind of judo the moment. You could just tweak it enough to push things into, by the way, I'm not a communist or a Marxist or a supporter of Lenin, far from it because of the 20th century, but although there is a newspaper here, I don't, I wanted to show you that was pretty radical. Um, and I just wanted to clarify something, though. I want to clarify that when we say determined in this sense, that it's socially determined. We're um, not talking about know. that. I, I I'm just, 100% that made, that, on this one because yeah, oh, this okay. is the thing. 100%. 100% because Jeez. it's determined by the institutions and the structures that have been created. Like I said, we go to work at 7.30 and get out at 2.05 because that's the structure. It wasn't preordained by God. In fact, mm-hmm. those fluctuations have happened, and it's because of humans. Okay, well, I don't want to get system. too caught up on that. I, I get what you're saying. But that's the, uh, determinism, I, I agree, 60-70% determinism with you right I, in there. Reality. In but reality. It's a determined system in place because of the structures of society, not because okay. God goes, oh, yeah, I think in Northampton they should go to school at 7.30. Well, or that chemicals over the course of millennia have conspired to put us into this radio station right now. Me looking at you, you looking at me. Um, so again, getting a little, that gets a little trippy. Oh, this but is a heady paper. I, I think that it couldn't get to, you know, even higher. But I, what I like to do is try to find the percentage where I can affect change. I accept a high level of determinism. I, I don't think free will is boundless. I just don't. But my... My sense of myself and the best way is I'm a person who, I guess that's a realist, right? It's a realpolitik way of looking at the world. Like, so much is actually determined. And it's important to understand what is determined and what is not determined because you can't have any will if you can't identify. It's almost like the serenity prayer, right? You know the serenity prayer. Strength to my enemy or strength to my friends and whatever, blah, blah, blah. No, that's Lao Tzu, the, act, the art of war. No, it's let me, give me the will to affect yeah, yeah. change the wisdom to know the difference between what I can do and what I can't do. That was really bad. We butchered that. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I I think that we're similar in that way, but I think that your bravado might be getting in the way. You know what is totally predetermined, though? (laughs) That this show is about to end. Yeah, because their institution made it so there's hours fine. I totally ex- I totally accept that but you know I'm a very, I'm a very highly mannered person so uh, my guess is that there's someone on the other side of that door who's going to come in and do their show and God? I am not going to be the person who's going to jam them up no not God now you know and I know that we talk just in the last minute or so 
listening to Father John Misty's just beautiful ending love this. to uh, On Magic Mountain, I think it is. I mean, the thing about Father John Misty, I really love him, and I often can't listen to him because oh, he man. scares me. He's, a he's like He's like the, well, it's more Super than just down. a downer. He's like the flat man. You know, he spooks me out every time I listen to him. Yeah. And yet, musically, I love him. And <laughs> the it's, he's the flat man. Now, what, what's up with you this week? What are you doing? I got a whole lot of nothing going on. I've been cruising around nothing. for that so would be a long. Good name so, for the show. I, I might go up to the Berkshires to visit my parents, but nothing. Oh, that's nothing. sad, man. I got a good. You want to hang out nothing. with me? <laughs> yeah, maybe. All right. Let's do cool, it. cool. Well, this week for me, I'm still trying to get out from under, you know, like all this, like new classes and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but you know, I like my students. I have a nice crew of students. I'm really, Solid years. Yeah, ago. it's really good. I'm really feeling happy at school. A little overwhelmed, but happy. Anyway, we're so grateful to have this platform. And our new t- this is our new showtime, 10 to noon. Next week, I'm expecting autograph seekers and, and maybe even a small parade. I know that many of you are on this campus because the show airs. So have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Want to say bye, Waylon? See ya.